0: Good morning. Good morning. Praise the Lord, everybody. Good morning. Thank God for another day, a beautiful day, a blessed day that he has made. Let us all be thankful. Clap your hands and rejoice and be glad in it. Thank the Lord for a beautiful, wonderful day, for another chance and opportunity to praise and glorify his holy name. We thank him today for all he's done and all he's doing, all that he's going to do. We lift up, we magnify his name. We thank him today, and we hope and pray that you're thanking him today for this chance and opportunity to hear words from the Lord. Amen. An inspiring, an encouraging, a motivational, a changing, a converting word that will change your life. We thank God. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody, and we thank God for this time to be able to share this word of God with you today. We want to begin with our prayer this morning, and we give God the glory, we give Him the praise, and we give Him thanksgiving, and we magnify His holy name. We want to go right into our morning worship, morning uh, prayer this morning, and we just thank Him right now. We thank Him for everything and all things and all things that He's done, all things that He's doing, and all things that He is going to do praying for the bereavement, the sick and the shut-in, and all of the issues and the things that people are happening in life. We give Him glory. We give Him praise. We give Him thank- thanksgiving. But we know that we choose to worship the Lord because that he's, he's good and He's worthy to be praised. So in that we want to pray today. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you right now Thank you for the blessings that you bestow upon us. Thank you for the chance and opportunity that you give us each time that we awake and arise out of our beds, that you've given us the activity of our limb, the breath, to the breathe in these bodies that cause our heart to pump the blood through our veins, that allow us to have the activity of our limbs, to be able to see, to think, to hear, to have all of our senses. And Father, we just glorify you right now. For all you've done, all you're doing, and all that you're going to do. Father, you deserve the worship. You deserve the praise. You deserve the lifting up your holy name. You're the one we should be worshiping. We're the, you're the one that should be being glorified, magnified, and to be lifted up. We should serve you. We should worship you. And we should glorify you. We thank you, Jesus, for this chance again to praise you, to lift you up. Somebody out there may be lost. Somebody out there may be confused. Maybe in distraught, may not even understand what it means to allow you to continue to let your love shower down on them. And when it does, that they would praise you and that they would glorify, <clears throat> would glorify your holy name and lift you up. We thank you right now, Jesus. We thank you. Touch right now. Touch right now, Jesus. Somebody may be on their way to their church to hear a word. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would bring that word, that you would confirm that prayer, that request that they're asking for. And, Father, we ask that you would bless, heal, and deliver. Set free, make free those that are captive, those that are brood, those that are abused, those that are brokenhearted. Father, those that need to have forgiveness in their hearts from the hurt and the pain that have been put up on them. Father, we thank you right now. Give us the kind of love that we need to be able to love one another. Help us and show us how to love you one another, Father, as we love ourselves, and we fulfill your commands and your desire of us to obey your word. We thank you right now. We give you the glory. We give you the praise. We give you the honor in Jesus' name. We magnify you. We say amen and amen. Amen. Don't you want to worship him today? Don't you want to magnify his name? He's wanna, he wants to heal you. <coughs> He wants to deliver you. He wants you to magnify his name. Don't you want to worship him today? Today is your day to worship him. To lift him up. To glorify his holy name. What's your purpose of going to... your service today to worship him should be to glorify to magnify his holy name not for what he's going to do for what he's already done and for what he's doing right now don't you know he's healing you right now he's bringing you through right now he's lifting you up right now he's allowing you He's allowing you to glorify his name. He's allowing you to lift him up, to magnify him. Don't you want to worship him today? I just want to give you a chance to usher into the Holy Spirit today, to worship the Lord, to praise him, to give him your all, to give him your best, to lift up his holy name. Thank him today. Thank him today. Come on, thank him today. At one time, you didn't know how to give him praise. To give him glory, to magnify his name. It's time to glorify him now. Lift him up. As he lifts you up to give you a chance and opportunity to praise him. Once you're ready today. You see that old adversary, he's hanging around. He wants to mess with your head. He want to mess with your mind. But that's what you should be saying. I choose to worship him. You choose to magnify his name. He can't give up because he have not give up on you. Don't give up on him. He wants to heal you. He wants to deliver you. He wants to make you free. He wants to bless you. I'm not talking about materialistically, I'm talking about spiritually. He wants to come in your heart. You hear a voice speaking to you today in your heart. You want to bring your heart to a new place. Don't you want to go with him today? Come on, worship him, worship him. I don't know about you, but I choose to worship him today. I I choose to lift him up. Hallelujah. I can't give up on the Lord. I got to always worship him, praise him, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what I'm dealing with. No matter what you're faced with, once you give him praise, once you give him praise, once you worship, once you glorify His name, once you lift your hands up if you're in an area where you can, a sign of surrender, a sign of allowing Him to come in to give Him praise. He's healing right now. All you got to do is open up the door and let Him in. Open up the door and let Him in. He wants to worship you. Come on, will want you worship him. Worship him. Worship him. Worship him. He's healing you. Aren't you going to let him heal you today? Open up the doors of your hearts. Or oh, he's making ready to heal you. He's making ready to lift you up, deliver you, bring you out of the world of darkness into this marvelous light. Come on, worship him today. Think about the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for you. Hallelujah. Lord, have mercy. Made up my mind, Lord, I want to worship you. I want to worship you today. All over the world, you ought to worship him today. Forget about everything that's going on around you and give him some glory. Give him some praise. Forget about your little circumstances, your situation, your hurt and your pain and begin to glorify his holy name. You ought to be excited today to have a moment with Jesus. So all you got to do is worship him right now. The chance is now. While you're breathing, while the blood is running warm through your vein. Hallelujah, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Amen, amen, and amen. Don't you want to worship him today? Now we're going to worship him in his word, in his spirit. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was God, the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. Good morning again and praise the Lord. We want to bring your attention to the book of Acts, chapter 9. Chapter 9, our key verse. Key verse here in chapter 9 is verse 6, talking about Saul, who became Paul on the road to Damascus, where he were converted. Yes, talked about this in my Bible study. So I want to share it with you today so everyone can hear what he has to say. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Today... Father, we thank you right now. Father, I ask your blessing that you allow your anointing, your Holy Spirit, to speak right now. Speak to the hearts of your people and the minds. Father, and I ask that you would allow your Holy Spirit to speak through me, that I humble myself to be used by you, and that I give you praise, that they would hear your voice through my voice and not my voice. Father, we thank you, we praise you. I thank you and praise you, and glorify your holy name in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the book of Acts, chapter 9, verse 6, the verse says, So he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? The question I have for you today, I want to put on your mind to think about, is this. Hear me and hear me carefully and hear me clearly. When is it not always about what you want? When is it not about, when is it not, understand me, when is it not always about what you or I want? In your mind, you're saying, what do you mean? We're always crying out. We're always begging. We're always asking. We're always wanting. Lord, heal me. Lord, deliver me. Lord, bless me financially. Bless me with a job, bless me with a career. Bless me in whatever endeavor that I may choose. Bless me in my finances. Bless me in every area of my life. But when do you ever stop to ask him, what would you have me to do? The next question is, does it take always for the Lord to knock you down? To bring you to your lowest point of your life before you realize that he is God. That Jesus is the king. He is everything. He is all things. Now in getting you to understand this message today and to get the clarity of what I'm saying I'm going to read this little bit of this chapter about Saul and I'm going back up to verse 1 Then Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, that he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Mind you, let me clear this up. Saul was a man that was going against anybody that stood or spoke about Jesus. Why? Because the priests in the synagogue was threatened by the authority of the Lord. And not only that, even his presence. Just as today, authoritative figures are threatened by the power of Jesus. Because the adversary is behind the scenes and he don't want the Lord to be glorified. And even here, he didn't want the Lord to be glorified. But Jesus came to fulfill the prophecy in the scriptures. And so here's Saul on his way. He was out to murder and kill anybody, men and women, and bring them back to court, that they might stand in the courts and be ruled or be put to death for even mentioning Jesus or even thinking about Jesus or following this man. Because why? He was winning the influence of the people to himself. Jesus was. Because they heard about him. They heard about him. What do you think the world would be like if people, more people would hear about Jesus to the fullness of the magnitude of how God wants us to hear? There will probably be a, a miraculous change in this world. But here he is on his way to Damascus. And the third verse says, As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? What do you have against me? What have I done to you? Just like today, people say they don't believe that God is real, that Jesus is God in the flesh and all that. What do you got against Jesus? And he is the one that's allowing you to breathe, to live, to see, to think. He is the one that when it's all said and done, that you're going to have to call on for healing and deliverance. So what you got against him? They didn't even realize Jesus were, is, was here or came to this earth, that we might have a chance at eternal life and not eternal damnation. And not realize this. They didn't understand. Because of the presence of the Holy Spirit, the Father of God, the omnipotent, I'm not present, I'm yet was in the bodily flesh. And he looked just like them. They felt threatened. Because they knew no human being could do the things what he had been doing and what he was about to do. And the thing that was happening with the people, unless he be of God, had to be from God, had to be from a power greater than he. But they couldn't understand that he's a man in the flesh. How can he do these things? And so they were threatened by Jesus, threatened by his presence and threatened by his authority. And so Paul made it his business to go and see about this Jesus. But here, when he got knocked to the ground, by light. And Saul saw, while you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. What is your problem, Saul? What is your problem with me? I haven't done anything to you. What do you have against me? What did I do to you to cause you to want to? Have something against me. Here, I want to make it plain again. You're Saul still breathing threats, murder against the disciples of the Lord. He was relentless in his search for believers. He went to the high priest. In other words, Paul was a bounty hunter in those days. He was out to get whoever that was against the laws and the priests in the synagogues and bring them back to hold them guilty of charge. So he went to the high priest and he asked for letters of authority. You know how bounty hunters have to have the letters to find out who the criminal is to go and bring him back. And so he wanted the letter of authority. So from him to the synagogues, At Damascus, so that if he found any men or women, they're belonging to the way. huh? They're belonging to the way, which means those that belong, they were believers, followers of Jesus, the Messiah, men and women alike. So he could arrest them and bring them bound with chains, bound with chains to Jerusalem. And as he traveled, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. This light from heaven flashed around him, displaying the glory and the majesty of Christ. And he fell to the ground and he heard a voice from heaven saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting and oppressing me? What is it you got against me? And Saul said, who are you, Lord? And he answered, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And then he said, now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Hallelujah. Get up. The men who were traveling with him were terrified and stood speechless speechless hearing a voice, but seeing no one, seeing no one. So Saul got up from the ground But though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. And so they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was unable to see for three days, and he neither ate nor drank. I'm going to pause there, and I'm going to bag up here. We're going to go back to this statement. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? why hallelujah why hallelujah and paul as saul asked the question who are you lord who are you and the lord said i am jesus whom you are persecuting so he was trembling and he was astonished at the words being spoken not seeing a bodily image but hearing a voice Trembling and a he said, "Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want with me?" Hallelujah. What do you want with me? And as we read on, we'll find out the Lord wanted to use him as for his instrument. He was going to show him that you coming against me, you cannot win. You can't win in this battle that you're trying to fight against me. Hallelujah. You see, he went to Ananias them, and Ananias, the Lord led them to hear and had a vision of what was happening and that he was go, what to go to Saul and tell him what he must do. And he did. But my message today, before we get into any more of that is. What will thou have me to do? The question I asked you earlier. When is it not always about what you want? When is it not always about what you want? Here, it was all about what Paul wanted. Here, Saul wanted. Here, it was all about what the priest in the synagogue wanted. But on his way, on this road to Damascus, he didn't realize, he didn't even know what was about to happen. He didn't know what was going to happen. In your life today, you experience some things in your lives. You go through hardship, ups and downs, heart attacks, mental illnesses, strokes, Lord have mercy, cancer, all sorts of manner of disease and illnesses, high blood pressure, sugar diabetes, Lord have mercy, Uh, anxiety, and all these things. Have you ever thought about these things, came? that it might get your attention to recognize who God is. If you look back over your own life, a reflective mirror of the things you've done, you've done, and the things and how you lived, and if you were honest with yourself in those days that you lived, you didn't have your mind on Jesus. You didn't give him glory. You didn't give him thanksgiving. You didn't give him no praise and all all you were about the pleasures and the desires of your flesh, enjoying life, just like people are now. They're all about feeling good and feeling good as long as they possibly can. And they are willing to give whatever they have, whatever it takes, pay, spend whatever they got for feeling good, to feel good. But you see what we fail to understand, God created us for a purpose. A purpose that we might serve him, number one. A purpose that we might glorify him, that we might worship him. That we might lift up his holy name for what he has given us. But instead, we look at a world today of people and society and all they're concerned with about enjoying what they call life. Enjoying the pleasures of the world. Failing to realize that one day, one day, you and I, we're all going to fade away from this old world. We're going to die one day. We're going to leave this earth. And for all the deeds that is done in our bodies, these old bodies, we're going to have to pay a penalty if we haven't repented. If we haven't repented of our sins and all of that, we're going to have to pay a penalty. But the Lord was showing Saul. And if I might say that, you're not running nothing. You're not handling anything. You look like you got it going on. You look like things are working in your favor. Just as you and I in this world today may seemingly think we got it going on. May seemingly think that we're running things. Just because you're in a particular position. Just because you own a certain type of job. Just because you're at a certain status in your life. Just because you might have a little money. Just because you may have a little materialistic things. Just because you might be living in the lavishness of life. Just because you might be the head of a corporate or corporation or business or owner of certain things and, and all the amount of thing that is in this world. You feel like you're on top of the world that, that, that there's nothing that can touch you. But I'm here to tell you, you're failing to realize, and you're sadly mistaken. You need to understand that in this Bible, it teaches us that what shall a man, what shall a man gain? If he gain all the richness and all the field good and all the pleasures and all the desires of his flesh and everything of the enjoyment of life in this world, then die and lose his soul. You're not going to like what I'm about to say now. I think enjoyment and pleasure is, is overrated. Because, see, Jesus didn't get come here for us to spend all our lives about enjoying because enjoyment, all of the desires, fulfilling the desires of the flesh. But he came to give us joy and peace in the midst of all of the triumphs and trouble that we're going to face and all the things that we are going to go through. See, see Saul didn't know that he was going to have to go through something. He didn't know after all the stuff he had done all to all the other people and everyone that he has he had put in jail and it caused people to lose their lives that one day he's going to have to pay a price. He didn't know in paying that price he was going to wind up being used by God. He didn't know that in the midst of being used he still was going to have to suffer persecution and affliction for the things that he had done. And We as a people need to understand just because you go to church, just because you may be in some status in church, or you may be in some position in church or a particular area in church. But if you haven't fully, fully, fully presented or given your life to Christ, and then you're faking, or then you're it's, it's hypocrisy that you don't do it, or you're not doing it the right way. But the question is, that you should be asking Jesus, Lord, what would you have me to do? You should be telling him, Lord, I always come more than I give begging and asking and crying and pleading out for something, for hurt, for pain, for financial problems, for job status, for relationships, for whatever area of life that you need, for sickness and illness, for whatever disease and manifestation and all of these things that may be happening in your life. But when do you ever ask him, Jesus, what would you have me to do? I, I said uh, in the beginning do, do, does it take him sending you through these ordeals of this life God, of, 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 the, of pain and of the things that you face in life of sickness and illness before you realize that he is God and that he is the one that deserves praise and worship and glorification and that does it take being knocked down laid on your back to realize that yes you are God do you have to go through all the hurt and the anxiety and responsibility and all the things put on your shoulder just to realize that look i can't make it i can't do it i can't handle this these things in life by myself i got to have jesus when is it is it the time that when it's too late or when the time that things are so unbearable now you're ready to call on jesus now yeah, you're ready to call on him but do you call on him because do you want to just get out of trouble hallelujah you see, some, pi- some people want to just get out of trouble, you know, when they're in the midst of a, a, a sickness or in the midst of illness or in the midst of incarceration or jail or whatever the crime or whatever the thing that may have them bound and chained or down. Uh, they just want to get out of the predicament, out of the situation. But when, when is it that you ever ask yourself that you want to get out of this sin and trouble? You see, the the, the life of practicing living against the commands of God, against the will of God, against the purpose of God. It's just the purpose of what Jesus came here for. And so many people uh, have been deceived by the fact that believing that uh, uh, Jesus died for the sins of all mankind, and they feel like, and they believe, and an adversary have made them believe that uh, it's all done. It's all said and done. Jesus has already taken care of my ticket for me to make it to heaven, but you're sadly mistaken. There are other uh, requirements in order to get to heaven. There's other requirements in order to live for Jesus. There's other requirements in order to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else shall be placed in its place. What shall he gain? When is it not always about you? When is, when is it not always about you and what you want? When? You ought to look in that mirror and ask yourself, when is it not always about me? When do I question and ask God, what would you have me to do? What do you want me to do, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. And so here's Saul. Back up in verse 8. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. Now, even though his eye him, he still could see. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now, in the 10th verse on down, I'm talking about where Ananias baptizes Saul here. And he begins to say in the 10th verse, he says, Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him, the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying, and in a vision, and in a vision, He has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Now, God is taking him through this, but he's going to have to go through a process before he gets to the stage for where he's going to be used by the Lord. But right there is where I'm still right there with you. Why does it take being knocked down? Why does it take being going through tragedy. Why does it take losing a loved one? Why does it take losing a child, a daughter, a son, a mother, a father, an uncle, a grandmother, a granddad, granddad and all that, just to realize, because see, see, let me pause in that thought, because these people that you are leaning on, you use as crutches. You use them as a crutch, and God will come and knock that crutch out from under you to make you realize and trying to get your attention to recognize that he wants your attention. And he wants you to understand that everything you're doing is not all about you. It's not all about you. And so we live in a selfish, self-centered world where everything is all about that person. Mothers and dads now don't even attend to their children or, or give them the attention that they need or the discipline or the foundation and the training that they need because all they're concerned about is giving the children something to do so they can do what they want to do. Again, the question is, when is it not always about you and what you want? 99.9% of the time, is always about you. I this, my that, I won't, I this, this is mine, this is that, and all that. When is it about Jesus? When is it more about loving you one another like we love ourselves? But here's all is was given a vision of the man Ananias so that he could be directed into what the Lord would have him to do. Then eventually he seen this man Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him so that he might receive his sight. But back up where the Lord came and appeared to him with the bright light and knocked him down on his knees. Now remember, he's on his way to pick up or to gather up anybody that represented or was with or believing in Jesus. Believing in Jesus. Trusting in Jesus. And he was going to take them back to the synagogues where the priests were and let them pass judgment on what they had done. And see, mankind got to realize, you are not God. You don't have the last say-so. The only thing that we are, we are instruments that the Lord wants to use to glorify his holy name, but the adversary, the devil is always there at the same time the Lord presenting his gift, and so he's there to present his gift as well, and like right now, he's possibly right now in your ear fanning everything I'm saying, trying to twist everything I'm saying around so that you don't get this message. He's always there to try to dilute Everything the Lord says, change what he said and twist it around what he says and make it seem like that this is not real. This is not true or this. You don't know what he's saying. Who you think he is? He ain't nobody. He's just a human like you. This is the way they felt about Jesus. Same way they felt about Jesus. But, but Saul, he was going to realize that it was more about this Jesus that he was going after than he realized and he thought he thought he was just going to go along on another trip and just return the same way. <laughs> but he had another thing coming. You see, this is why Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open up and let me in, I'll come in. I'll let you know what you need to do. You know what's wrong with the people today? People today. They don't want to let Jesus in. They want to let Jesus in. But they don't want to let Jesus in. They want to let him in on their terms. But they don't want to let Jesus in on his terms. Hallelujah. On his terms. On his terms. This is where society is today. And society is going to have to realize just going to church ain't enough. Just attending church is not enough. Just being in the choir is not enough. Being in the pulpit is not enough. Being in the congregation is not enough. Being a usher is not enough. Being a brother, being a sister is not enough. It's not enough. Romans says just your reasonable service. Romans chapter 12. Yes, it's just a reasonable service. Reasonable service. we read it to you many times. We'll read it to you again. Therefore, here's what he said. Therefore, the dedicated service. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies. To present your bodies. I mean, dedicating all of yourselves, set apart. Sanctification people. Sanctified people, set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. Act of worship, set apart. Those of you that don't understand what sanctified means, sanctification means, is to be set apart, to be used by God. If anybody think that you can't or don't need to be sanctified and you're not in the word and you're not in the scriptures of the Holy scripture of what it really truly means. I don't know where they lost you at in sanctification, Sanctification not about shouting and dancing, which is, is a good part of sanctification because all that does is show that you're appreciating and you're thankful and you're praising God for setting apart, setting you apart from the world, from the things in the world, the thinking of the world and all the way that you think in the world away from here and to live according to the obedience of God's will. Because that's what it says in the second verse of Romans. He says, and do not be conformed to this world any longer don't be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs you hear that with its superficial values and customs but be transformed and progressively change huh? transform and progressively change as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes. So what you may prove for yourself what the will of God is. That which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan, in his plan and purpose for you. In his plan and purpose for you. You see, Saul found out The plan and purpose that God had for him wasn't to demoralize, wasn't to tear down, wasn't to accuse, wasn't to beat, wasn't to brutalize, to take people's lives because they were standing or believing in the truth, the living God, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. That's what he found out. He found out. So, so much of this message is about what Paul finds out. But the example of what Paul experienced is what I'm sharing with you today That in our lives. When we go against the word of truth, the holy word of truth, we can't win. You won't win. You'll never win. And when it looks like to people, when they think that God is not in control, he's always in control. Even as terrible as things are looking today in society, with the wars, with the killing, with the murders, with the hate, with the bitterness, with all of these things that's happening, he's still in control. But you see, the thing is, Jesus died that we might have a free will choice. He's given us freedom to choose ye this day whom we shall serve again, when it's not always about you. When are you going to come to the conclusion like Saul did? Lord, what would you have me to do? You see, every morning you wake up, begin your agenda, even though you go to work. And you should be asking the question today, Lord, what would you have me to do? What would you have me to do? He might might even ask you to repent. He might even ask you to turn. Turn from what? From your wicked way. Change. Change. Be ye transformed by the word of God to come to him, to come before him and repent, to accept him as your personal savior. I'm not talking about a church attending, membership attendance and all that. We're talking about a one-on-one relationship, a one-on-one relationship with Jesus. Everybody. Everybody need a one-on-one, true, real relationship with Jesus, not an agenda. You need a relationship with Jesus. Going to church, going to the performance of church and the programs and all of that, that's an agenda. But when we're talking about having a relationship with Jesus, you're going to do like Saul did. You're going to mind up and you're going to stand up, Lord, what would thou have me to do? What would thou have me to do? Because there's a work to do, and if we look around each other, if we look around very closely... If we look around very closely, see, we're always talking about, Lord, look at all this Can look at all this pain, look at all this hurt. But what are you gonna do about it? When are you gonna step up to the plate and allow God to use you to make a difference in life? Or is it all about I gotta got get mine and they got to get theirs? That old selfish ignorant attitude. Because the Bible tells us to love you one another like we love ourselves, care about one another, and the hurt and pain that's being put on each other. No matter what color we are, we should be coming together, locking arms together with prayer and praying and fasting and all of that of change in our community, in our country, in our government, and everything. Look at the world going to Hades, they say, in a handbasket to be lost. And nobody's saying a thing. Nobody standing up, nobody crying out, nobody making a difference, nobody making an impact. Everything about, I don't care, so-and-so it. they they doing it, it's their job, it's their job. But when is it going to be about you and you have a job to do? When? When? We spend so much time, people focus so much time on their pain, on the hurts, on the stuff they're dealing with. Jesus felt more pain than any one of us will ever feel in our lives. Because when Jesus went to the cross and bared the weight of the world, we're talking about the world of pain on his shoulders. The world of pain on his shoulders. This little pain that you're going through ain't about nothing. you little toe ache and headache. And your blood pressure and your diabetes ain't about nothing. Because see, he can heal those things. He can deliver you from your when you step up to the plate and recognize what will thou have me to do, Jesus. You see, you probably you probably can't get healed or delivered because you haven't made that step. Of you haven't committed your life to Jesus. You haven't made a standard to have a one-on-one relationship. If you haven't realized to turn away from the ways of the world and the desires of the flesh. When you're going to realize when you step up to the plate to walk up to Jesus and ask, What would thou have me to do? And stop all this hatred and bitterness and jealousy. And, And let me put this in there. And stop looking for the praise. The praise ain't for you. God gets all the glory and all the praise. Not you. Not you. I don't care what you've done. It's not about you. I don't care what foundation you started. I don't care what program you put together. It's not about you. If you're not doing it to glorify the Lord, sit down. If you're not preaching to glorify the Lord, sit down. If you're not doing anything to lift up the name of Jesus, you ought to sit down. If it's all about bickering and arguing and fussing and fighting it and who put it together, who started it and all that, sit down. The Lord ain't about being confusion. He's not the author of confusion. He's not the author of confusion. We're talking real truth here. Real truth here. You don't get no flowers. You don't get no rewards for how many days you attend church service. Let me let you know that. You don't get no rewards for that. You see, you can be going to church all your life, die and leave this world, and at the day of judgment, the Lord asks you a question about something you didn't do, then you're going to be stuck. Because the first thing he told us to do is to love him with all our heart, with all our might, with all our minds, and with all our strength. And the next thing he said for us to do, to love ye one another as we love ourselves. Those are the main two. See, I'm not going to worry about the adultery, the stealing, the killing, and the murdering, and all of that. Because when you don't do these two here, you're automatically going to commit the rest of, or break the rest of the commands. But when you can do the two main commandments, that everything else that hang off of, then you won't have any problem with the rest of the commandments. You won't have any problem with it. Murdering and killing each other. Greed. Ambition. All that. So much greed in the world. Control. Manipulation. It's not about that. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's not about all the other. It's about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Not about me, not about you, but it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's not about your program, who started the program, who put it together. Man, forget all that. It's about glorifying, to serve, to worship, and to glorify. Serve, worship, and glorify. Glorification unto the Lord. That's what it's about. Again, when is it not always about what you want? That answer should get to a point, it's never about what I want. That's the answer it should get to at some point in your life. It's never about what I want. It's always about what Jesus wants. It's always about what Jesus wants. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't it time for you to make that decision? Isn't it time for you to look at yourself, to recognize and realize, to be honest with yourself, I've been going about it all wrong. I've been in church and performing my duties the wrong way. You see, it's, it, when you repent, you got to come real. got to come clean. And when everybody in the church service is "In there? In the areas of the church of the functions of the of the of the offices in church and they operate that where it would glorify Jesus, then you would see a place that will see you will perform miracles and wonders right in in the church and in the community and in our lives and in the homes. Then you would see it. But we just see people just going. They just going, going, going but they go and they come back the same way they went. Attitude haven't changed. Mind haven't changed. How they treat people haven't changed. The conversation haven't changed. The words that they use haven't changed. They're still using foul language, talking crazy and cursing them and all kinds of blasphemies and things. They haven't changed. The habits got to drop off when you accept Jesus. When Saul accepted Jesus, and began to go about his way, and when he returned to where the synagogues were, and they looked at him like something was wrong with him. They said, wait a minute, who is this man right here? Is this the man that went out to get these people, the Christian, the believer, and the one that stood for Jesus, and now instead of him, he was the one to ask us to give him the authority to go after this man. And now he comes back. He's defending this man. He's standing up to this man. What happened to him? And you know, the Lord had witnesses right there with him. The soldiers that was with him, they they were astonished too. They were in unbelief. They were in disbelief. They didn't know what was happening. They didn't know what has happened, But they know something great was happening and had happened. And so that's what it should be in your life. It shouldn't be because mama took you to church when you were little. They were just training you. When you come of age to understand what it means, you have to make a decision on having a one-on-one relationship with Jesus. A one-on-one relationship. I'm talking about a relationship that causes you to go out and do the will of the Lord. A relationship that where you serve him to the question and to the answer that I've already said. What would I have me to do? What would I have me to do? I'm going to leave this thought with you again. When is it not always about you and what you want? When does it start to become about Jesus? Aren't you ready now? Aren't you ready now to allow it to be about Jesus? To give him the glory, to give him the praise. Father, we thank you right now. We thank you for what you've done. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank that you came and you fulfilled the prophets. You lived, you performed miracles, you changed lives, you touched hearts, and you returned to glory, and you rose again. And even then, when you rose again, you appeared to the disciples and other people alike. And you caused impact and you caused change to their lives. That's why we're able to speak about you now. Because you caused change in my life and impact in my life. So I choose to worship you. I choose to lift you up for all you do, for all you've done. And all you're going to do. Bless us right now. which you've already done with your word. And let your word take an effect. And have an effect. On the hearers. That they become doers. Of your word. We praise you. We lift you up. We thank you right now. In the name of Jesus. Let your Holy Spirit go forth. Do the work. That you desire. In all of us. And that we will yield ourselves to you. In Jesus' name we pray. We thank you. We say amen and amen. We pray that this word has impacted your life and that will cause you to think about this question. Choose to worship him, to glorify him. God bless you. May the peace of God be with you. And the heaven's smile upon you. Selah, good day. You've been listening to the broadcast of Focus to Change Ministries. Please join us next Sunday, 9 o'clock a.m. And remember, if you make the choice, Jesus will make the change. God bless you.